You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. It is the greatest privilege of my life to be able to serve the party I love. The roadmap has been drawn and the bugle has been sounded. Xi Jinping is the most powerful man in the world. Ten of the 13 charged individuals are Chinese intelligence officers and Chinese government officials. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top name. We do not want Joe Biden's America in Texas. I wonder sometimes if he actually realizes that he's president of the United States. Of course he recognizes, and that's if I, if you're I insulting the president. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. On Bloomberg Radio. President Xi Jinping starts an unprecedented third term as Rishi Sunak begins his first. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as Washington tries to figure out what the developments in China and the UK mean for the US going forward. We'll be joined by DJ Peterson of Longview Advisors about risks brought by a changing geopolitical landscape. Later, just over two weeks to the election, polls show Democrats sliding into the midterms. We're going to look at three bellwethers with Bloomberg's Eric Wasson and cover another wild weekend on the trail with our signature panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. Remarkable imagery from Beijing over the weekend as President Xi Jinping made it all official. Everyone saw it coming, but now it's real. He emerges from China's Communist Party Congress Easy for me to say. With an unprecedented third term and a much tighter grip, thousands watched. Did you see this as China's former leader, Hu Jintao, was unexpectedly escorted out of the closing ceremony? Listen, there's not a lot to hear. In fact, you could almost hear a pin drop if, if it were not for all the camera shutters. No one could believe it. Media had just been allowed into the room when the 79-year-old former president, sitting directly next to President Xi, was approached by a staff member and another government official, took him by his arm, one hand on the back, lifted him out of his chair. He was resisting. He spoke with each of them quickly. As they tried to pull him away, he tried to say something to President Xi before he was in fact escorted away. 
He even tried at one point to touch a document that was on the table before President Xi himself covered it with his hand and pulled it away. There was no explanation about what happened. And by the way, none is expected. All the while, President Xi installed six loyal associates to stand alongside him on the Politburo's Supreme Standing Committee. Listen as they're introduced here. Now, please join me in a warm applause to welcome the General Secretary and other Political Bureau Standing Committee members. And there it is, history in the making. And President Xi spoke to this moment in history as we hear through a translator. On a long journey, one filled with glories and dreams, the roadmap has been drawn and the bugle has been sounded. We must forge ahead with enterprise and fortitude. The bugle has been sounded. Though the White House was not going near this today, apparently. Everyone was asked about a press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, saying, quote, we are not going to comment on internal party politics, the PRC, although Bloomberg is now reporting that the White House is working on arranging a meeting with Xi, Biden and Xi, presumably virtual, but who knows? And that's where we start with D.J. Peterson, president of Longview Advisors, former director for the Eurasia Group, former political analyst at Rand Corporation. It's great to have you back, D.J. Welcome. What does President Xi mean the bugle has sounded? When you list, take his speech in its entirety, Joe, it was really about security. And there was many militaristic references. And so the bugle is sounded. It really does, I think, part of that kind of militaristic yeah. um, call. It was, it was quite dramatic. Is it a good idea to be meeting with President Xi right now? Or is it essential? You know, the, that's a great question. The contacts between our two countries, between the United States and China, are very weak. They're very, the quality of the communications and the dialogue at all levels of these two governments is actually historically low. So the fact that the leaders are getting together uh, to talk, it does at least suggest that there's, there's possibility for dialogue and getting some messages across. Um, as you know, President Biden is always professed the importance of having open channels of communications, and this is just part of a strategy. Will he get what he wants? Will the, the United States be able to advance its agenda? It's right. not clear. That's so then, you know, what's the point, right? I mean, if you if you don't go in there with a, a list of demands that you know will be made good, or at least a sense of how the thing is going to end, sometimes that's a risky proposition. Well, I think there's two things going on here, and, and, and most importantly, it's signaling. If Xi Jinping is meeting with the American president, she is ultimately signaling to other officials lower down that it is possible to have a communication, have dialogue, yeah. um, and that's important. The second is it's theatrics. Um, it really is important that uh, the United States be seen in global forums as being willing to talk, even if the message is not getting across our allies and friends in other countries are, are, are looking for signals that the U.S. is a responsible global player. Heck happened to Eugene Tao? We're going to see a picture of him with a newspaper in the next couple of days. You know, that's a really good question. What is real? Thank you for your detailing kind of that. What, what, what took place on. The I was screen. blown away watching that. I mean, the whole world was. Yeah. It's so striking for two reasons. One, the Chinese Communist Party has been orchestrating 
a in choreographing this whole event for months. They've shut down all kinds of discussion. They delayed their economic um, report for a week. Um, they really kind of put the lid on anything looking bad inside China. And then this happens, like you said, he's sitting right next to um, the chairman of the Communist Party. And it happens at one of the crucial moments of the session, right when they open the media. So the timing was quite impeccable. So this was not an accident, though, right? I mean, that's a remarkable and historic moment. They came and dragged the former president out of the room. Yeah, it, it is quite remarkable, and when and 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 and, in, in, and seeing discussions among China watchers, you know, there is this kind of just kind of head scratching, frankly. And you know, of course, yeah. one issue, one question is: was was did he was he ill? He certainly looked um, quite shaken in the moment. Or, or, <laughs> I would have. And yeah, so it's but the fact that he's kind of appealing to the two top officials. Um, the chairman and then the prime minister, it, it's, right. it's quite dramatic. Nobody it, would look him in the eye. Clearly, yeah, the, the Chinese populace, the populace, they're reading this very carefully and they're paying a lot of attention. DJ Peterson, so then when you back off, how meaningful was this party Congress for the United States? How much of a threat does this, does this newly consolidated regime pose? You know, Joe, it's, it's surprising how little new actually, in terms of the policy line came out, which very clear, uh, China is going to continue um, its great power ambitions, its, its ambitions in Asia, its zero COVID policy, its technology agenda. So in some ways, it is just reconfirming or intensifying. I think what was quite remarkable, and you, as you noted, is the number of protégés and allies and stalwarts of Xi Jinping that made it into the top levels of, of, of government. Yeah. So what this means in some ways, I think that there's going to actually be less discussion of policy challenges. And remember, China is facing an unprecedented array of issues. You've got COVID, the real estate bust. You have very weak consumer demand, a really, really bad demographic trends. And, of course, the tensions with the United States and the West and technology. And if everybody is in lockstep alignment with the chairman, then that also suggests there's not a lot of open policy discussion. And what we've seen is some really bad decisions being made um, under this under this leader. So what. For the United States, one is buckle your seatbelts because more bad decisions will be coming. Mm-hmm. But for also perhaps China is locked in, very much locked in to a, a rigid strategy that is actually not improving yeah, its global right. position. Well, the market has spoken on this. The market is typically ahead of uh, of the rest of us here. But, you know, add what happened today in Washington as the U.S. unsealed charges <laughs> claiming a couple of Chinese intelligence officers tried to obstruct a criminal investigation. This is uh, an investigation into Huawei. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, listen. Over the past week, the Justice Department has taken several actions to disrupt criminal activity by individuals working on behalf of the government of the People's Republic of China. Pretty amazing. Uh, Chris Ray, the FBI director, said 10 of the 13 individuals charged were Chinese intelligence individuals. What does that tell us about our relationship with this country over the next year or even five, DJ? Yeah, I think it's really important to think of this as a Cold War II. Um, while we trade 
we we have great um, and deep economic ties with the countries, with the country, and we certainly have deep um, you know communications and travel. We're in a a cold war and this is it's a different kind it's we're competing on on many different issues but this is very much this this arresting of spies you know is classic of what we saw in cold war one so this is indicative again of cold war two and china's global ambitions around technology around competing with the united states um geopolitically and of course, economically. So this yep. is part and parcel of Cold War II, in my view. And I think we need to understand, companies need to understand that it's, it's, it's the, the business environment, the investment environment mm-hmm. is going to become a lot more challenging. Well, you know, you need allies to fight or win a Cold War. How about this guy in London? I am humbled and honored to have the support of my parliamentary colleagues and to be elected as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. Rishi gets his turn. Uh, We're going to talk about how flexible this administration has to be over the next couple of months with massive and important leadership changes happening on both sides of the planet. DJ Peterson, thank you so much for being with us. Longview Global Advisors, as we assemble the panel next, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano have been watching this go on all weekend and just can't wait to bring their ideas to you. They're here next on the Fastest Hour in Politics. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Boy, it's only Monday. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So just about two weeks to the midterm elections, a war underway in Europe, new warnings of a winter COVID surge, And now this, an emboldened President Xi, we'll just call him chairman, and the third British prime minister of President Biden's first term. What could possibly go wrong? 
As the White House braces uh, for ever more complexity, we assemble our signature panel on quite a Monday. Rick Davis is with us and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Jeannie, I'm not sure where to start here. I mean, the, the arguments being had, you would try to cook things down to so-called kitchen table issues in this midterm election cycle are are frankly dwarfed by some of the greater issues that we're talking about here, beginning with our competition. You and I can use air quotes when we say that with China. That's right. I mean, what a weekend it was. And, and, you know, so many things happened over there. Number one, they changed the Constitution, okaying Mm -hmm. the use of force. And that is if separatists declare independence or if foreign countries aid and abet separatism in Taiwan. Mm. Hello, Taiwan. Yeah, that's right. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Bloomberg reporting that the president is pursuing this meeting at the G20. But it was just a week ago that Beijing was stonewalling that because the president had pledged U.S military defense of Taiwan if China were to invade. So just those two things alone are enough to sort of try to wrap your wrap your head around, if mm-hmm. you will, not to mention there are no more women in the Politburo, but we'll leave that aside for the moment, Joe Matthew. Yeah. I don't know if you want to be in that room. Uh, I, I do, Joe, but I yeah, wasn't asked. <laughs> that's fine. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the former president, I guess, maybe didn't want to be in that room. Rick, uh, do you have any sense of what went on there, what are we supposed to infer when you see a 79-year-old former president? I mean, here we live in the country where, where you know, lock them up and all that stuff is is common at, at Trump rallies. Uh, but Hu Jintao is now gone. What what how, what do we make of that? Yeah, I think in China you have to assume that you don't have to have a rally tell you what to do. Uh, uh, General Secretary Chi just does it. Look, this was yeah. a power move, right? He was showing that he could crush the man next to him at the table. Uh, embarrass him, take him out, politically emasculate him. Look, it's the same thing he's done to every major CEO in the in the country, right? You know, all of a sudden they disappear for 30 days. Oh, now you're going to have to delist your company tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, all these things are a way of just cowing the rest of the population and arguably extremely large population to the terms and condition of the Chinese Communist Party. And I would Mm -hmm. just say we should use his his real title, which is secretary of the Chinese Communist Party. That is the most powerful job in China. It's not some state leadership role. It's the Communist Party. And that's what they are. And that's how they're uh, managing the country. And we should not kid ourselves that we have a situation where we are not already in a very difficult environment uh, that's only going to get worse over time because the Chinese Communist Party does not share our hopes and dreams of the world in a rule-based society. Well, I'm sure this uh, story today didn't make things uh, any any better for them as Merrick Garland left us all waiting. He showed up over a half hour late for this announcement. You've got the podium set up at the DOJ. Uh, the flags are up. We're wondering, well, what is this going to be as the U.S. unseals charges claiming two Chinese intelligence officers tried to obstruct a criminal investigation into Huawei? Others allegedly working on behalf of a foreign power, as he said it. He was not specific, although details, you know, we filled in some of the blanks later, trying to procure technology and recruit spies. Listen to the attorney general again. The complaint alleges that in 2019, the defendants directed an employee at a U.S. government law enforcement agency to steal confidential information about the United States criminal prosecution of the company. The defendants believed that they had recruited the U.S. employee as an asset. But in fact, the individual they recruited was actually a double agent. 
working like, on behalf of the FBI. It's like something out of a bad movie. Uh, Chris Ray, FBI director, said, again, 10 of the 13 charged were Chinese uh, intelligence operatives. Jeannie, this was already going on. What do we expect now that there's there's just no one to check Xi Jinping? Yeah, no one to check him. He is unrivaled in his power. And as, you know, DJ just said, we are in a second Cold War. Just listening to that and the statement today, it did, you know, sort of remind you of the Cold War itself. That's what it sounded like. And it was just a few days ago, a week ago, Joe Biden said, we are entering a decisive decade of rivalry with China. And that is what we're facing. And I think the real hope for the United States has got to be that that rivalry doesn't Mm -hmm. become violent. And that's where I go back to the constitutional changes, which say, for the most part, that they will take, you know, action, military action, if Taiwan is threatened. And that is a real challenge for the United States and the Western world. Pretty amazing. Uh, Spending time with our signature panel, Rick and Jeannie. And I guess another historic day in Britain, although they're feeling less historic every time this happens. uh, Gosh, what are we, 50 days out from the, the start of the trusts? Uh, I guess, tenure. And uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, it it all came together this morning, Rick. I guess the question that I have is not what is our relationship going to be like with Rishi Sunak, but they've got they need time over there to put things together as we rely on each other to help support the war in Ukraine and push back on countries like China. Does this make it harder for the U.S.? Uh, no, I mean uh, the 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 nature of the transatlantic alliance with the U.S., uh, Great Britain, and in in other parts of Europe uh, probably has not been at its at this good in in 25 years, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing R- Russia has done is it's united our allies, and so institutionally, I would say that we stand in a very good position with the U.K. Uh, Rishi Sunak, the new prime minister, uh, adds stability to that, and that makes it only stronger. He meets the king tomorrow. It'll be official, and we'll talk about it more then. Our signature panel is here for the hour. I'm Joe Matthew. American politics next. This is Bloomberg. Great story on the terminal. New Jersey, Pennsylvania GOP House hopefuls batter Democrats on economy. Eric Wasson with the byline. We talked so much about the big Senate races, the big governor's races, but it is the House, of course, Uh, that Democrats look most at risk of losing. And as we consider this idea that Eric lays out, even in the headline, you can talk about Roe v. Wade, you can talk about crime, but the economy, of course, has turned out to be issue number one with really just so many voters. And it leaves Democrats and, well, I should say independents like Bernie Sanders on a Sunday morning, asking questions like this on Meet the Press. Listen. What are the Republicans' response to inflation? What do they want to do? Well, maybe they want to cut wages for workers. Do they want to raise the minimum wage? No, they don't. So I think it's important to take the attack to the Republicans. What do they want to do other than complain? But bottom line is, you cannot cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, which is what they want to do. But Eric writes, from hardscrabble mining communities to affluent New Jersey suburbs, Republican attacks on the economy are forcing Democratic House candidates in must-win Northeast districts to confront an issue that has bedeviled them. And by the way, you know, dog chasing car, whatever, it will be up to Republicans to do something about this or at least provide a viable argument if they do win the House, because we have been hearing that, you know, 87,000 IRS agents is the answer here. They haven't even all been hired. 
Eric is with us now, and I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this, Eric, because you've actually been out reporting here. Does anything come close to the economy? And, and, and to that end, did Democrats miss a huge opportunity by leaning on the Dobbs decision when they had some momentum over the summer? Well, I don't think they missed it. I mean, they were, I think they peaked a little bit early. You know, if the mm-hmm. decision had came, come later, perhaps the timing would have been in their favor. But, but clearly the winds have shifted back towards the economy. And what I saw in these races, I followed Tom Malinowski and Tom Kane Jr. in New Jersey, yeah. Susan Wilde against Lisa Scheller in Pennsylvania, and uh, Matt Cartwright against Jim Bognett, also in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, and the economic argument, the Democrats are now really fully engaged on the economic arguments. They're trying to poke holes. In the, in the GOPs, what's really a lack of concrete plans. You know, I chased Tom Kane in the, in, out at a Holiday Inn in New Jersey, in Clark, New Jersey, trying to find out well, what is he actually, what spending is he actually going to cut to fight inflation. Yeah, uh, right. You know, they don't really say. Uh, so they're, 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 the battle is now joined on the economy in these districts, but it might be uh, too little too late for the Democrats. The, the Republicans have a very simple message that Biden, uh, you know, caused your prices to go up, and, and this, uh, you know, Democrat helped. And, and the, the response to that is a very complicated set of, you know, we've passed some legislation that's going to take some time to, to trickle uh, down to the economy, such as semiconductor, uh, you know, price uh, reductions. And uh, Do people know yeah, what that, you know, when you go to the Holiday Inn, Eric, does anyone know what you're yeah. talking about? Like, do you say, hey, how about the JIP Act? You know, is, is that weighing into your decision? How about those semiconductors? Well, I, I think, you know, it depends. That Holiday Inn was a, was a very educated audience of, 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 you know, the local Gateway Chamber of Commerce. and they didn't Okay, so they that, would know. You know, a lot of well, they said, you know, a lot of people did say, you know, it's a pandemic, it's a global supply chain issue. I think to certain voters, you know, I talked to, uh, you know, people who left the Republican Party or voted, uh, you know, another way after Trump, and they're, they're sticking with Malinowski, and they like his arguments. But even they, and I had this great, you know, but this one fellow at this Reddington, uh, event uh, in New Jersey, Steve Foster, and he really reminded me of one of those old characters from Mad Men, you know, goateed fella, and he was a former marketing executive, and he said, you know, the problem with Tom Malinowski is he doesn't have a 20-second story. The opponent has a 20-second pitch, and the Malinowski response is a long list of achievements and economic mm-hmm. arguments, and it's hard to break through, and I think that's where the race is heading. You need a 20-second story if you're going to get anywhere. You need a bumper sticker, right, Eric? Right. What made you settle on these three, uh, particularly uh, with all three being in the Northeast? Well, you know, they've been, they were rated as toss-ups when I conceded the plan by the Cook Political Report, by mm-hmm. Nathan Gonzalez, other leading uh, you know, political analysts. Uh, they're all t- trending towards a lean Republican now, so they shifted a little bit. Uh, but they were just the, the, the most uh, evenly uh, divided races in, in that immediate area. And uh, an area that I know well, I'm from, originally from New Jersey, mm-hmm. some, some, some time in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, and it's, it was just interesting to me to see how the wind would blow from a, from a toss-up perspective and, and where it's heading now. So it was a good way to illustrate uh, where the trends were going. It's great work, as we'll point everyone again to the terminal uh, for look for Eric Wasson and the story that will be specific, but also, I don't know, it opened my eyes to the nation a little bit here. You can look at this race from important toss-ups new jersey pennsylvania gop house hopefuls batter democrats on economy eric thanks and come back and talk to us soon on sound on a lot of people were listening to the former president over the weekend here as this is the other thing you hear about on the campaign trail not just the economy but also voter security and the viability of our electoral system and donald trump is really 
not helping to instill confidence. Listen to him in Texas from Saturday night. Paper ballots, the old-fashioned way. That's the way you're going to stop. Would you agree with that, Mike? That's the way you're going to stop it. It's the only way. We don't need satellites sending the signals all over the place. Somebody votes. Let's see. I'm going to vote for Trump. I love Trump. I'm going to vote for Trump. Trump. Bing, bing, bing goes all over the world. Bum, 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 comes back Biden. How did that happen? Well, I'm not sure that is how that happened. Are we still doing the satellites? And do they make a bing, bing sound? We'll reassemble the panel coming up next here. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano make our signature panel in their next on the fastest hour in politics. We've got a lot to cover in the markets after hours, too. Charlie Pellet will take care of that. We'll do traffic and markets with much more ahead. There was actually another fascinating debate I have to show you. Gavin Newsom getting down to it. And we'll bring you inside that Donald Trump rally in Texas. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Donald Trump is, of course, not the only Republican saying the 2020 election was stolen. In fact, few are saying it louder than Carrie Lake, the nominee for governor of Arizona. She sat down with ABC's Jonathan Carl. Most of what they discussed was election fraud. Listen. You said that there were 740,000 ballots with no chain of custody. Those ballots shouldn't have been counted. Are you really saying that you would throw out the ballots of 740,000 no, no, three quarters I, of a million Arizonans? I mean, those were 740,000 ballots. ballots violated chain of custody requirements in Maricopa County. In Mar- I mean, first of all, it, it's it's not true. I mean, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors put out a 98-page report okay. that went that through these allegations. That is a fact. Check your facts. Check your facts. And of course, John Carl's sitting there saying, but we did. I just. And why would she sit down with John Carl? Of course, she knew that's all they'd talk about. But it doesn't matter, right? Well, it doesn't seem to matter. 
politically speaking, whether, you know, wins, losses, not principle here. She's leading the race. Not by a lot. Real Clear has her up, though, by one and a half. 538 has her up by, what, 1.1, I'm reading. And so let's reassemble the panel for more on this idea. Rick Davis, of course, an expert on Arizona politics, Bloomberg politics contributor, joined by Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg politics contributor, Democratic analyst. It's uh, I guess she's just kind of saying what a lot of voters want to hear. Right, Rick? But she says it so convincingly uh, and, and does it with such a straight face that she seems to actually do a better job than Donald Trump sometimes making this argument. Well, she's very good at what she does. Uh, and you're right. She is talking to a certain audience, her audience. She's, she didn't really care about Jonathan Carl's audience. Right. You know, she's, she's channeling her group and she's giving them instructions and she's educating them in the way that she feels uh, they'll believe her, right? Regardless of what the Jonathan Carl, Carl's fact-checking might do. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we've learned in this age that uh, you know her vote's going to get its information from certain news sources and uh, her opponent's uh, voters are going to get theirs from other news sources. And, and it really doesn't matter what the truth is to a lot of these voters. They care what their, their leaders are telling them, and they're going to go to war with them. And so uh, she's doing exactly what the script uh, dictates these days in a, in a heavily polarized environment. Uh, this is exactly what she needs to do to get could her, a Republican, her group fired up. Could a Republican win in Arizona without that line? Uh, Republicans won in Arizona historically without that line. So, well, sure, but uh, this is, know, these are weird days. Uh, it's just, weird days, and, and, and it's different politics than it, than it is, but uh, she's, she's, she's doing exactly what she needs to be able to overcome a deficit right. that she was in and, and win the election. So uh, it's, it, you, know, you and I, are, uh, we, we can't believe people go out and just say things they know are lies, but um, we've we kind of gotten used to that after you know, well, yeah. six years of Donald Trump. <laughs> sure we have. So what's the Democratic response to this in a race like this, Jeannie? Not, you know, not Joe Biden speaking from Washington, but you're talking to people in Arizona and you have to convince them that this former news anchor uh, who looks the part, speaks convincingly, doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. And let's talk about the facts. Um, You know, what are we hearing? Just look out at Arizona. At least two voters in the last few days had filed complaints for voter intimidation, saying people with camouflage and weapons. Well, their videos are, are all over social media, exactly, right? Exactly. Sitting monitoring. next to the drop boxes. And, and, and also, let's look at what we are hearing about the kind of pressure that poll workers and election workers are under who are being harassed daily as they come to work. And, you know, you want to respond to people like Carrie Lake. You've got to say that her language, her claims, Donald Trump's Mm. language and complaints, they are absolutely inciting this kind of behavior. Leadership matters. Responsible leadership matters. And you can't be out there making these kinds of false claims because the next step is going to be, unfortunately, violence. And we look at the studies and that's what we are seeing. There are people in the United States who believe the only answer to their elections, quote unquote, being stolen is to take them back by violence, hence these vigilantes. That's the danger of what they're doing. I know they want to win, but you've got to tell voters this win at all cost mentality yeah. is going yeah. to get us into a very violent situation come well, election day. Sometimes I wonder if some voters want to see that. This, of course, comes with a lot of different flavors. Remember the Don Baldick, like the day after he won the primary? No, I've just I've done my homework. Nobody stole the election. Then you get uh, you get guys like Brian Dolly, the Republican state senator in California who wants to be governor. He's up against a governor, Gavin Newsom, who I don't think is 
any danger of losing here. Uh, but they sat for a debate and, uh, and you know, he was asked directly about uh, Joe Biden winning the election. He tried to, to give him a joke. And oh, my God, did this thing bomb. Listen. Did Joe Biden legitimately win the 2022 election against Donald Trump? Yeah, I, actually, he did win the election. But the big question is, is he, does he know that? That's, that's what I wonder sometimes. But I want to talk about... You're talking about he being who? Ugh. Joe Biden. Ugh. What do you mean by that? Well, well I, 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 yes, I agree that he won the election. But I wonder sometimes if he actually realizes that he's president of the United States. Of course he recognizes. You're insulting the president of the United States. Of course he understands he's president of the United States. It's got to be rough. You think you got something? <laughs> you got, I got a zinger in my pocket. Wait till they ask me if he won the election. Uh, but look, that does uh, that does bring us to another matter, as he's alluding to here, and that is President Biden's uh, physical fitness. He's about to turn 80. He was asked about it in, a, in another interview on MSNBC over the weekend. And he likes to say, Rick, you know, watch me. Try to do my routine. You know, dude, I'll meet you at the gym tomorrow morning, that type of thing. But we're going to be hearing more and more about this. Listen to Ronnie Jackson at that Donald Trump rally uh, in Texas. Now, look, Ronnie Jackson's had his own scandals here. Uh, he never got to run the VA as Donald Trump wanted him to. He was known for, at least we understand, reportedly uh, being liberal with his, uh, his use of certain medications for White House staff. But remember, he was the man who was known for declaring Donald Trump the healthiest president of all time. And he decided to go for it with Joe Biden. Now, this is a this was a doctor, right? Listen to Ronnie Jackson. I think I'm one of the few people that have the background where I can speak intelligently about this. I know what it takes physically and mentally to be the president of the United States. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm making a medical determination. Joseph Biden does not have what it takes to be our president. Wow. We. Okay, this is a physician, a retired Navy rear admiral, now a member of Congress. And I started thinking he's president of the, the doctor of the president, for crying out loud. And I thought, okay, unfit, may, you know, maybe he means that in terms of politics or whatever. But no, he kept going. Here again is Jackson. This man's confused. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what office he's running for. He shuffles when he walks. He slurs his speech. He stares blankly off into nowhere. This is, an, this is a problem. Jeannie, that's a doctor, and I realize it's a partisan one. But does the White House need to be a little more forceful on this issue? No, you, you know, I, this is Ronnie Jackson uh, playing, you know, uh, Ronnie Jackson before the Donald Trump crowd trying to rally that crowd. He He's probably able to do it successfully. But anybody listening to this, no, this is not the language of a responsible physician. And Ronnie Jackson has never been seen, at least in the last several years, as a responsible physician. Joe Biden knows age is an issue. The Biden administration does as well. And it's something they're going to have to address after the midterm elections. How does the White White House manage this beyond what it's doing, Rick, or do they just, you know, get the president up and out of bed and working every day, do it by by showing what can be done? No, that's exactly right, Joe. I, it, there's no way you want to get in a war of words with the Ronnie Jacksons of the world. And so you just, you know, do the job. Yeah, get up in the morning, as you say, and uh, uh, show that you are able to, uh, to, to do the job of president of the United States. And, yeah. and the reality is, uh, there's nothing he can do about his age, right? Uh, it, and and it, it won't go away as an issue because uh, at least he hopes not because the only thing that happens if you 
don't get any older is you're you're we're holding a funeral so yeah, I, gotcha. I mean yes the reality is this is this is he's got to face the the music and there's nobody that i'm aware of in politics who thinks it's a great idea for someone who's going to be 80 years old to be running for president and mm. so you know it, it's just it's just common sense but in a world that we live in and the politics of trying to stay relevant and not become a lame duck um, you know, this administration is torn into this 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 effort to try and show that he still potentially may run for president. Mm-hmm. When he decides, if he decides not to run, all this goes away. It vanishes. It does no longer become an issue. And and so it, it is a very transient thing, almost like what they thought inflation was going to be. Oh, boy. What when when you were in the Reagan White House, you think back to that time when there were questions uh, about ronald reagan's health what what lessons did you learn then that you might apply now i mean taking him out of the media's eye is obviously not the answer no and and we did that in the reagan white house he was out of the media eye for six months could you imagine yeah. today uh not having a president give an interview for six months can you imagine the conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah exactly so uh that didn't work and and so the reality is it never will the president has to be seen by the public as part of the deal as part of the compact that he has and, uh, and, and in the case of Ronald Reagan, uh, you only overcame that uh, yeah. by going out and, and being robust and, 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 and sometimes, um, you know, just changing the topic. And so the, the only thing you know is getting into a description of the president's health, if you're the president, is, yeah. is a losing argument. You, <laughs> you, you gotta, it's a show me kind of thing. I know? feel like they're not going to be able to resist, though, Jeannie. I mean, look, you're not going to put them out there like the, the other extreme here would be Vladimir Putin, right? They're not going to put Joe Biden out topless on the South Lawn uh, doing push-ups. But you know there's going to be a 60 Minutes or a something where they shadow him on his workout routine, right? It's got to be coming. Oh, gosh. You know, they're just the vision you just put in my head. I didn't Joe mean Matthew. to scare anybody. You I'm know, sorry. is he going to be fighting? What was Putin fighting a bear or riding sure, a horse? Sure, definitely. Get on the horse. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to hope that the Biden administration doesn't do that with the president. No, you know what the president has to do is what he's been doing. He's got to be out talking to people, the American public, about their plans and how they have addressed the problems facing America, in particular, the economy and inflation. That's what they've got to do. Let Ronnie Jackson keep talking. They have to respond with facts. We're going to keep talking here, too, on the fastest hour in politics because we have the smartest panel in the business. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzane will meet you back here tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.